0: Welcome to the Western New York Entrepreneur Podcast, helping Western New York entrepreneurs take the next step in their business. If you love Western New York and entrepreneurship, this is the podcast for you. Whether you have been in business for 20 years or 20 minutes, there is something for everyone. David Schaub interviews the top entrepreneurs in Western New York so you can take your next step in your own business. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Westbrook Entrepreneur. We appreciate you joining us. We have a really cool uh, guest here today that we're going to be talking to and learning from today. We have local legend Jim Robert, who's the owner of Metro Roberts Realty, among other businesses within that umbrella. Thanks for joining us today, Jim. Thank you for having me. Yeah, do you have to be called Jim or James, by the way? Jim. Preferred Jim. Jim. Okay, so make sure I'm addressing you correctly here. So, Jim, you know we've met a couple of times here, but we never sat down like this one-on-one to actually kind of, if you will, have a cup of coffee and I spoke with people that I've worked with over the years. I've heard nothing but great things about you and who you are and what you do for our local community here. So for those that don't know who Jim Roberts is, like who is Jim Roberts and how did he get to where he is today? I know it's really hard to do in
1: just a few minutes or so, but give us your version of it. My name's Jim Roberts. I got into real estate when I was 19 years old, all the way through college. And then I opened up my first brokerage around when I was 25 years old, And we have a variety of different companies. We have an appraisal company. We have a home buying division. We have a private money company. We have a brokerage with about 300 agents. We have a a digital company. We have a lot of other companies as well. I just have a passion for real estate after doing this for 30 years. I love it more today than I did when I was 19 years old. So we just keep reinventing ourselves. We just opened up our eighth office. And then uh, what I'm most proud of in our company is that we started a nonprofit several years ago and we've done massive amounts of charitable work. And then also I'm most proud of our, the way that we take care of our employees and our agents. Our agents are on pace this year to get over $7 million in commission at 100%. So my goal is to change lives. I've been blessed. And without gratitude, you can't have anything. And then for our employees, we wanna give our employees every opportunity to succeed. And that's the goals of Metro Roberts. Our culture is unmatched in my opinion. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and speaking to different agents from different offices before before we even met, that's the first, the first thing you talk about is everything you just alluded to. So I have to ask, so I know you were young when you got into real estate, but did, did, did someone just chirp in your ear when you were young or how did that get started? So it's a
1: really interesting story. I grew up in South Buffalo, didn't have a whole lot of expectations for myself, dropped out of college. And when I was 19 years old, a gentleman, Mr. Dan Hannon, God rest his soul, um, I wanted to buy a house, get into it. And he loaned me four thousand dollars and for those that are friends with me on social media they see my story the second week in december every year about dan hannon how he gave me four thousand dollars and how it has created millions of dollars in real estate and provided hundreds of jobs so kind of i built my career around dan hannon's motto which reached down to pick someone up and that's what we did and then uh ironically when mr hannon uh passed away i bought the first office that i ever bought a house out of and we still own that office which is Pretty nice, pretty symbolic, but we just want to make a difference. You know, if I have one legacy, I want it to be that I made a difference in uh, the community. So that's it. And then the home committee, we do crazy, th- crazy drives for the committee. I mean, we just did seven thousand five hundred pairs of socks for the veterans. We just raised twenty seven thousand dollars for um, a young man that passed away, as as his, fa- his father for for the young man. And then from there, we. Um, We have at least eight events a year that we do things for the community. So, you know, just trying to separate ourselves and we're blessed beyond belief and just want to give back. That's the goal. There's one slogan, if anybody ever comes in any of the office, it says no one's bigger than the whole." Doesn't matter if you're the CEO or you're the cleaning person on Saturdays, you get treated exactly the same way. And that's kind of been our model.
0: So obviously a big thing with you is very much giving. Do you think, and I hope this isn't coming across the road, do you think I just come as we get later in life, or has that always been that way, or was there a, a specific moment in your life where you're like, I need to start giving back now? Or was that ingrained in
1: you? How was it ingrained in you? Things like I that. think that um definitely as I got older, I didn't realize the gravity of what I accomplished by the time I was 30 years old, and uh gave me the freedom to uh to do things that that I never expected I could do. But I would say in my thirties after I had three kids, allowed me to have the freedom and the financial resources to change, to do things that I never thought were possible. So with Metro Roberts, did you
0: always, would you work for a different brokerage? Obviously, I imagine everybody starts under one. And then when did you start Metro Roberts?
1: And So I worked stuff? for probably four or five brokers in my early 20s, and then around 25, somewhere in my mid 20s, I opened up a company called Jim Roberts Realty and Appraisal, which is still in existence today. And it was basically for me to buy investment property and then to do appraisals. And it pretty much took off right away. And then probably about 20 years ago, I opened up Metro. At one point, there was about 30 Metro offices. Now there's only about uh, 11 of them and I have eight of them. And we basically have pretty much took in the market, taken the market by uh, storm. Yeah. What has uh, made us so successful is I've been able to pivot with all the different markets. Right now, the market is changing rapidly. We own a foreclosure company that when the market tanked, we had the foreclosure company. When the when the refinances were good, we had the appraisal company. When the market tanked again, we had the private money company. And then as the market in 2022 has changed, we opened up a digital company to provide better services for our agents um, on the digital side. That's what people want. So we constantly pivot and we have a couple of things right now that we're working on. We should be announcing in the next 90 days and uh, keep doing that.
0: Yeah. So for those that are interested in real estate or like, you know, like I might even just talking about buying or selling a home or, or commercial real estate, but all the above, what is your prediction for the market in 2023? I imagine you, you have some insight
1: there. I think based on we have a bit, little bit better insight than most agents and brokers because we own a company called Metro Property Preservation, which was the largest servicing company in New York State for foreclosures. And now we're getting the four, we, we didn't get a foreclosure for a couple of years, and now we're getting them in in, in buckets. Mm-hmm. So I truly think that the good agents will still survive. They're gonna have to pivot on how they brand themselves. They're gonna have to do things like this podcast and digital. They're gonna have to separate themselves. I believe that we'll probably lose five, six, 700 agents in the MLS because we'll have a shortage of inventory. But I think that um, that's not always a bad thing. So I think the mm-hmm. professional agents will rise. And the ones that won't will probably leave the business. So the person's cousin's ex mom who does part time may not may not uh, I think storm it. Yeah. I think the biggest problem that we've had in real estate in West New York is that obviously with YouTube and I'm probably part of the problem. And mm. in social media, we make it look a lot more exciting than it is in many cases. So people get into the business and then realize it's really hard to be a good agent. You have to educate to elevate, and most people don't want to put the time and energy into that. Mm. So you're saying there's
0: a shortage, but foreclosures are coming in buckets. Coming so in buckets. so to me, kind of, I, from my brain, it sounds,
1: sounds like it's contradicted itself. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Sure. So last week, we got 27 foreclosure servicing jobs. That means 27 different houses needed us to do something, whether it be cut the grass, whether it be winterize, whether it be boarding up the house. So the amount of foreclosures are going to increase because people, especially with the interest rates going up, they're not going to be able to refinance their houses, which is going to have a negative effect. And then also if anybody went to the tax auction this year, it was the largest tax auction I've ever went to in 30 years because of the amount of people coming into Buffalo because the price point was still relatively Mm -hmm. low, the cap rates were still good. On the other side of it, on the retail side of it, which I play on both sides of the fence, the retail side of it is going to be tightened because rates have went up. So you're pushing people out of housing points. So that's gonna ultimately stabilize the market. In my entire career, I've never seen values go the way they have. I've never seen houses that we rehab ourselves sell for 20, 30, $40,000 over list price with multiple bids, just never happened. Mm-hmm. On that side of it, my appraisal company at this point is dead and it's dead because the refis. Mm-hmm. Probably 75% of our core business was refis. Well, if the rates went from 3% to <laughs> yeah, 7%, so. nobody's yeah. gonna refi. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, the values went through the roof. So. You know we're pivoting in all the different areas but if you're a balanced company with a good culture you got the right people in the right seat you'll be able to weather anything i do feel bad for the one trick pony companies because it's going to be very difficult to to get through this to get through this phase mm-hmm. um, but we've been doing this for 25 years that we've been weathering each storm whatever the storm may be 2008 was devastation to most mm-hmm. companies 2009 was my best year in business year today mm-hmm. i never had a better year so that's really cool. So I want to talk to our listeners for
0: a second. Are are you a one-trick pony? How do you diversify? Cause we know change is coming one way or another. And so for for me, I'm wondering, I'm always constantly wondering how do I diversify? How do we have different streams of income and how do we how do we weather a storm that isn't to come? So one thing I noticed about Jim is that he's constantly evolving, constantly diversifying what he does. And so actually I want to bring it back to you, Jim. So how did you learn this? Like, did you just like kind of have a a group of people that said hey you should diversify or did you just read
1: books like how did you learn about this i i got involved with a lot of well i belong to the local west new york real estate investor club and i've been in that club since i've been about 20 years old and what i saw a lot of the seasoned veterans they all imploded because they never they did one particular thing they were buy and hold or they were a flipper they were something they never brought in their their scope so I can remember, like yesterday, there was a roundtable of the best of the best in our group. And 15 years later, there was there was only one or two people left out of that group. And the ones that were left were the ones that diversified. One of the biggest ones in our group, you know, they own 100 houses, but they they buy and flip and then they also do private money. So they balanced it out. I think that even for agents, which is my core business, is that agents have to learn the business better. Investor Club, I constantly push that because. As the market pivots, maybe that's a space that you want to enter, enter in investing, not only buying yourself to create passive income, but also to sell. Mm -hmm. The investor club that I belong to, I'm not actively selling real estate as much, Mm -hmm. but I've sold probably 200 plus houses out of that group because investors want to be around investors Mm -hmm. that know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If you want to open up an Airbnb, you want someone with experience. If you want to learn about Capri, you want to know someone who has experience. So I teach a few classes internally at our office, which again is the point of that is because I'm trying to create agents mindset that they they have to do more. Mm-hmm. So I teach an appraisal class. I teach a class on investing and I teach a class on private money. One of the best things that we're doing in our company now is we raise private money, either internal or external for our agents to buy their own houses. Mm-hmm. So this week alone, or last week, We loaned out money to two of our agents, one to buy a two-family home and one to buy first buy and flip. So that's another thing that separates our company from others. We truly want our agents to excel. So the private money, is that only for your agents or can anybody come from the the public, if you will? We Well, I mean, I would prefer to loan primarily to our agents. However, we loan it to a lot of people. And because of the space that I'm in, I know all the private money lenders, the big private money lenders. So one of our agents was buying a very expensive vacation home and we were able to raise private money for them. It was way out of my league. And they bought it, refinanced it, and now they own a beautiful vacation home that they Airbnb it. So again, our philosophy at our company is we wanna create generational wealth. There's nothing worse than agents that um, don't take advantage of all the tools that we have. Yeah, so there's a lot going on here. So how do you how do you manage it all, Jim? <laughs> Well, I'm a workaholic, that's probably probably a thing and as we were talking earlier before this started, you know, I surround myself with some incredible people, but at the end of the day, the best thing you can do for your business is not be the bottleneck of it, which I am. I'm in the middle of everything and you should put the right people in the right seat so that you can be a visionary instead of that, you know, we're we we're talking today when I got in the office early this morning. My daughter said, you had a crazy weekend. I had seven or eight appointments this weekend, and I did buy a house. Mm -hmm. But at this stage of the game, with the resources I have, I shouldn't be working Saturdays and Sundays every Saturday. But I have a passion for it. It's different, you know, everybody says you work too much. If I was working a job, I hate it. I wouldn't probably want to do it, Mm -hmm. but I'm the first one in office every day, and I'm the last one to leave consistently because I love it. Yeah. And that's how many people can say after 30 years, they love what they do.
0: Yeah, and, and not only that, but it's tough to, for me, there's always so many rabbits to catch. I'm like, oh, I want to catch that one. I want to catch that one. And, you know, so like, I know me as a, and we talked about personalities before, like, I'm a builder, I'm not a sustainer. What would you say you're more of, or I want to put you in a loophole. I well, a whole year I mark. mean,
1: if you look at an operations chart, I guess my title would be Well, let me take a step back. So after all these years in the business, I still have a a real estate coach Mm -hmm. and he's 39 years old. Mm -hmm. So I have him by a decade and uh, he comes in quarterly, but we meet once a week and he basically says the same thing. Jim, you're your worst enemy because you're the visionary, but you also want to be the integrator. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult to do that because you can't, you can't do it all. And if you look at an operations chart, when when your name is in too many boxes, you're actually hurting the company. Mm -hmm. I might be hurting the company by being too much instead of, but I believe that I, um, that's just a human flaw that I have. Mm -hmm. And it's been able to work up because I'm willing to outwork you, Mm -hmm. but I I could have probably did a lot even more if I would have just got out of my own way.
0: Yeah, so Neil always tells me when we were grabbing coffee a few weeks ago, he goes, he's always trying to like, hey, let someone else do that, let somebody else do that. Which, you know, let's be honest, that's a positive problem to have because sometimes we all have had a, I guess I'll use the word boss that like doesn't want to do any work. Anybody wants to you know, kind of like throw the whip around, you're kind of like, hey, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> so
1: he was like, get out of here. Go enjoy. <laughs> you you built a good culture when you go in one of your offices and you see your administrative assistant vacuuming because mm-hmm. she saw you vacuuming. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the type of culture that we created here that everybody's willing to get in and and uh, help out. I've never seen, I've been a part of a lot of companies, a lot of coaching things. Even the coach that comes in our office says, Jim, I've never seen something like this, mm-hmm. that everybody's a team here. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a great, you know, it's, that's where the slogan comes from. No one's bigger than the whole. Hey, really quick.
0: I just interrupt your podcast really quick to ask you a simple question from one of our business sponsors of the Western Entrepreneur Podcast. Do you need a lawyer? If you own a business, then yes. From business formation, operating agreements, corporate contracts, licensing agreements, and employment contracts, to business litigation. Every business needs a great lawyer in its corner. The business attorneys at Rump Base, Falls Cunningham, customize every solution to the needs of your business while keeping you in compliance of local, state, and federal laws. Visit our website today at rumpbase.com. That's R-U-P-P-B-A-S-E.com. Rump Base, Falls Cunningham, People at Law. Now, Back to your podcast. So, so one that we talked about, one of the questions we have written down here is how do you get the right people in the right seats to make your business so successful? How, how do you do that? And we talked about personality tests. Yeah. So whenever you kind of uh, are uh, exploring, bringing somebody in, do you have them take a personality test? Yeah. So we have them take a
1: PI test, predictive index, and that will basically give an idea of what that person likes to do. Will they be bored at a certain job? I mean, you can't have a hunter that wants to be in sales, always going to business. And sitting at a desk all day mm-hmm. you can't have a cold we have cold callers you can't have a cold caller that wants to be out in the field it just doesn't work so the predictive index test is a great vehicle to come up with a great parameters but at the end of the day what I see is if someone has the passion even with the most detailed PI test it's not gonna make the person if you want it bad enough and I have success stories after success stories here Predictive test aside, you got to have the heart and you, ha- and you have to want to do something different for yourself and your family. Mm.
0: So obviously you've seen quite a few people probably, you know, not, not just in your business, but around coming through the doors and all that. So how do you have a way of measuring heart? How do, do you have like
1: certain questions well, you ask? Just, I, you know, a lot of people, uh, my uncle retired from General Electric. He was the head of human resources and we would talk about hiring. A lot of people are looking at a resume and they're looking at a particular gr- degree or, you know, I went to Brown University. I went, whatever. When I meet with someone, I have a good feel how bad they want it. And I can just, just, just by the questions that they ask me, but I can tell you that someone that wants more when you talk to them, for an example, would be an agent that that we just bring on and they they start asking questions about all the other things that we do. Mm-hmm. I know that they're going to be successful regardless of the market. Or when we have trainings. We have over 20 trainings a month. I'll see the same core people all the time. It's because they want it so bad, mm-hmm. right? That's the heart that I'm talking about. And I don't care what your background is. Give me a grinder that wants to get off the ground, and I'll, and we'll help them become whatever they want. One of our agents has just bought their th- over 30 doubles, and that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. You know, one of our agents, or not one of our agents, several agents are rehabbing homes right now. They have the heart to do it. They want more for their family. So judging it, the PI test is certainly a good indicator, but all the PI tests in the world isn't going to tell you if they want to work their ass off. Yeah. So
0: that kind of leads into our next question. So, you know, and one thing we talked about was discipline and obviously you want people that are grinders, but and what I thought was really cool is you, 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 you started talking about goals. That's just so funny. You know, it doesn't even surprise me. But you're like how you break things into like quarterly in the 90-day, 60-day, 30-day increments. So that kind of goes into the next question is, why are goals and disciplines so important in running a successful business? And that might sound like such a generic question. I know uh, that's something you want to talk
1: about. Well, I think if you don't have any goals, regardless of what business you're in, if you're in, in any business, you gotta have goals because I don't know, for the younger listeners, they probably won't relate to this, but for the older listeners, when me and my wife used to go on a trip, we used to have TripTix from AAA, and we'd go from here to Florida because the trip ticks, that was that had an exact way to do it. If I tried to do it now, obviously you have MapQuest, but if you didn't have it, you'd get lost. So the goals are in November of every year, I write at least six to seven pages of goals very detailed with all KPI metrics, which KPIs are key performance indicators. And that allows me to track things on a monthly, quarterly basis so I can see where they are. And if you don't have that, you're just getting up every morning without any focus. Anybody that's friends with me on Facebook will pretty much see that I put a post on Facebook right around six o'clock in the morning. That's for consistency. That's before I get on the exercise bike. Everything is that way. So my day starts out. And then if I read 10 pages a day, if I didn't do that, my day goes off the rails. And how many of us have gotten done at the end of the day at six o'clock and go, oh my God, I didn't get anything done. Mm. A lot of people don't like it, but if you ever come up in my office, I have six or seven pads in my desk. I'm in my bag, one for each company, because I put things to do list on there. And if I can get those off there, you know, not every day, but a lot of times I can. And then the other thing is I have to see things. So if you come to my off house, I have six whiteboards on the in the basement and all my visions, all my goals are on there. So that way, when I go downstairs, there's only one chair in the basement that I can see it and I can look at it and see if I'm measuring what I want to accomplish. Mm So, you know, I'm just doing that now this week. My goals are intense. And I would say that the one goal that I probably never hit, honestly, in which I do it, you know, financially, family, but the one goal is physical. I put my business way ahead of my exercise and stuff like that. This year I'm truly hoping that I can at least turn that around a little bit. Mm-hmm. But when you're hyper focused on business, sometimes things slack. So yeah. I try to make sure the family and the kids
0: are good. Mm-hmm. And then Yeah, it's so tough. We always want to put others before ourselves, especially as givers. So, what questions do you ask yourself when you're doing? Because I'm I'm curious about that. I'm a big goal setter. Right. And every year I like do this 12-page pack. I literally sit alone for like 24 hours and right. say, honey, I'm not, I'm not missing. Don't call the police. I'm literally just gonna go. And be by myself and really just be honest with myself where am i at where i want to go spiritually physically financially all these other things And i break and i love that you say that 98 is so that i do the same thing but i'm curious what questions when you're doing your goal setting what questions do you ask yourself what do you think most about because at this point you've done so much jim
1: so. Could, where where am i at today and where i want to be in 12 months that's and then that will how the goals will start and like i said i haven't broken down into components Financially, I put goals, what my net worth is today, what I want it to be in 12 months, what our company generates, family goals. I want to make sure that we have certain things every week. For an example, we have one date night a week, we have on the weekend. I want to be around a certain, you know, I just put all these things church. I want to give a certain amount of money. I want to go to a certain amount of seminars. My big goal this year or for 2022, for those that are a little bit higher end, they invest in syndications. I am excited to announce, actually, I'll put it on Facebook tomorrow. It's, uh, I've tried syndication numerous times, unsuccessfully.
0: What is syndication?
1: Syndication is when you pull a bunch of investors together to buy a large Mm asset, and the the tax code allows you to write off um, cost segregation, very complex, but long story short, you'll see a post tomorrow, which will be Tuesday. We, a group of investors, we all chipped in together, and we bought several hundred units down in Mississippi, right by the water spectacular project and I have another one that I'm going to be doing in December. So that's another thing I just went for a class for that. I want to teach our agents syndication so that they can get passive income when they're older but plus also the tax benefits. So that's another goal. But my goal was to get my first syndication. I've tried numerous times they fall through do do they fall through due, during due diligence because mm-hmm. it's a big undertaking. Mm-hmm. But Locked up my first one. We are we are closing this week. Could not be more excited to be yeah, part dude. of. Yeah, congratulations! Several. I love I'm, it. I'm super excited just because you know after you do certain things, you got to keep moving the needle. Yeah. So this needle is a whole new needle. Needle. Yeah, I, mean, I love it, man. Eleven million dollar project, and we're investing in a, a twenty million dollar project. So we're doing some pretty amazing things. But I want to bring that back home, and uh, that's it. I love it, man. Well, congratulations. That that is not a small
0: feature to do. No. That's amazing. I love that, dude. So so that being said, we only have a few minutes left and then that's it, you know? So I wanna be careful with the next question I ask, but this might be tough for you to answer. Maybe you just know right off the top of your head, but where is the one thing that you think realtors are just going wrong in general? Maybe it makes you cringe. You're just like, hey, this is why you're not here to there. Or maybe there's a misconception out there that you kinda wanna set straight
1: perhaps. Well, maybe three things I think that they're lacking. One is education. I think agents have to invest in education. A lot of agents don't see the value in that if they're successful. I see agents that have had a 30 year career that did that have had success. Number two, marketing. The first thing that agents do is if they're doing well, they stop marketing. And I think things podcast, video, digital, their own Facebook pages, et cetera, social media, you have to have your name in front of people. And then the final thing is, and I think that. Agents, especially in the last couple of years, have been able to be very successful quickly. You have to build a database for sustained growth. To give you an idea, I have 25,000 names in my database. Mm-hmm. So we buy houses off of that database on a weekly basis by just touching them. Agents don't wanna put the time in. If you're not touching your clients 60 mm-hmm. to 70 times a year, you're not doing a good job. Mm-hmm. I speak of that because I do it every day. I mean, I go in and, uh we send out 1,200 text messages a day. We send out hundreds of emails a week, and we probably do 1,000 phone calls a week. That's why we're the number one home buyer in the area. But with all that being said, you have to create metrics for yourself. If I spend $10,000 a month on marketing, I wanna get a three to one ROI. You have to be able to do that. Otherwise, you won't know if your marketing is working or not. So. You know, like I said, them are the things that we try to teach at our company because we want agents to invest in themselves. Mm. If you're not going to invest in yourself, there's 3700 agents. You're going to be one of them. If you want to separate yourself, then you have to invest in yourself through education, through whatever. I went to a leadership conference last week and it, was, and it just talked about if you want to be a good leader and a good leader could be a good realtor, that's a good leader, it could be the person that we're here, myself, a good leader but you have to set yourself apart. If you wanna lead, if you wanna be the best realtor in New York, you have to you have to learn things that separate yourself. And if you wanna be an investor, you have to learn things. I spend massive amounts of money every month on coaching that I get um, at this stage of the game. And everybody says, why? I'm like, because if I learn one nugget, that is gonna separate me when I'm in that house trying to buy that house. Mm-hmm. So just in closing, just puts, you have to educate to elevate. You gotta spend money on yourself because that's, That is how you're gonna grow your business. That's how you're gonna grow your brand.
0: Mm. that's good, man. So unfortunately, that's all the time we have here today. Thank you. But in case those that would love to ask you a question, maybe it was a question that I didn't get to or didn't think of, or maybe they would like to pick your brain, or maybe they wanna sell a property or buy a property. What is the best way to get a hold of you, Jim, that you feel comfortable?
1: Just my cell phone is the best, 716-480-3049. And if you're out there and you're looking, whether you're a realtor or someone else looking to sell property, We're looking to buy at least 10 houses a month. Um, So if you have something, I'll pay you whatever you need. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for uh, being on the show with us today. Thank you. If you loved listening to the Western New
0: York Entrepreneurs Podcast and want more, subscribe to it and head on over to WNYentrepreneur.com for articles, what's coming up next, and to get involved. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.